Good morning, good morning, good morning. Great morning. Happy Sunday to everyone. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice, make a decision of our will to rejoice and be glad in it. I made a decision this morning. I will rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what I face, uh, what comes against me, <clears throat> I made a decision to rejoice and be glad in it. I have much to rejoice, much to be glad for. <clears throat> So thank you for all who came who's joined us this morning um, for this time uh, to, to just to testify to the goodness of God and um, to continue to um, just grow more and develop more in, in the goodness of God and the love of God, um, to develop our faith more, um, to continue to know more about God, become more intimate with him personally and together as a family. <clears throat> You know, we, the church is the most powerful institution God has created, um, and we just so, so much to be appreciative for and thankful for. Um, so let, let us pray first and foremost. Father, we thank you so much. We honor you. As, your, as a part of the, the, the greatest family, we thank you so much for loving us, loving on us, taking care of us. We thank you, Lord, for showing us how, to practice your presence, um, teaching us to know your voice, all the, all the other voices that are trying to get our attention, teaching us to do those things that are pleasing to you in your sight, um, teaching us that we have purpose. We're here for a purpose, for a reason. We don't just exist. You think that you value us and, you, and you, we're important to you. Lord. You care for us. You, your eyes are over us, and your ears are opening to us. It just shows how much you love us, Lord. And you're not a distant God who can't see, hear, or speak. But you are right within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. You live inside of us. Never will we go, you're with us. And we just thank you that we become more and more conscious of your presence each and every day. More in God inside man. <clears throat> more conscious of the indwelling presence of your spirit, Lord. And we just thank you. And I and praise you this day. I pray that all who are on the line, hearts are open to receive. To receive what you have to say. And, re- and they're open to more light and insight. Um, the things will be confirmed in their lives. Things that you say to them will be confirmed. Stirred back up again. Things you may have neglected. They'll be lying, lying, have lying, lying dormant. But you, they will be awakened again this morning. <clears throat> they will get stirred up again this morning, Father, in Jesus' name or add on to what they already know. <clears throat> Pardon me. So we thank you and praise you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. <clears throat> praise the Lord. I hope everyone had a great week this week, a successful week, productive week. Um, I've been, Lord, I've been so, so much on my heart this morning. This has been a month. This month I've been consecrated with my church for 21 days. <clears throat> so that is, into my spiritual disciplines, um, and one was fasting and praying, um, and uh, praying in the spirit more, um, private worship, you know, really meditating on the word and spending time listening um, to the spirit of God. And these are foundational biblical principles um, for success. Um, and I used to do these things all the time when I was incarcerated. It's amazing when you have time. You make time at an environment. 
produce and to see and so many places to go that you can um, let loose of those things. And, um, but thank God for mercy. Um, thank God for um, his grace in time of need and mercy um, and, his, and grace periods. Um, and we know one purpose of fasting is uh, to shut down the voice of the flesh. Sometimes the voice of the flesh can be louder than your reborn human spirit or the voice of the spirit of God in your life. And you listen more to your, your feelings, um, your senses, and fasting shuts that down where you can hear clearly um, the voice of the spirit of God or what he's saying. Um, and, and as well as fasting doesn't move God, but it moves you in position um, to hear what God is saying to you um, about your life. Um, also, <clears throat> praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. And a lot of times we, you know, we get spirit-filled. You know, we, have, we receive a heavenly language, but we don't never really get taught the purpose of praying in tongues and why we do it. First <clears throat> Corinthians 14.1, it says, He who speaks in unknown tongues speaks not unto men, but unto God. <clears throat> For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, or she speaks mysteries. <laughs> so <clears throat> he who speaks in a tongue, unknown tongue, heavenly language. He's not talking to men. We're not talking to each other. We're talking to God. It's a direct line to our Father. And it's that no one understands him, which means nobody understands what you're praying. The devil don't understand. Only God understands what you're praying. In the spirit, though, you speak in mystery. And the word mystery in the Bible is, is mysterion, which means a revealed truth. And the, 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 the definition, the word God gave me for mystery, mystery was a revealed truth. It's a truth that only can be revealed by the spirit of God. Only the spirit of God can reveal to you what the word of God is saying because it's his book. He inspired, breathed on people to write the word of God. So whatever the meaning of the scripture is, he is the one who gives you the exact meaning of what the word means. Not people, there's no other source of revelation but the Spirit of God. Now, he speaks through people, through our pastors and through brothers and sisters, he speaks through people. But he's the source of revelation and light and understanding when it comes to the word. And when you speak in tongues, you're speaking directly to him. There's no... It's no Man, your mind can't get in, in the way. Your senses can't get in the way. Things around you can't get in the way. And that's the importance of praying in tongues or praying in the spirit or your heavenly language. The enemy can't understand or know what you're saying. And that's why it's such a battle now in the church over praying in tongues. Is it done away with? Is it for us? Or do we just pray in tongues we feel something? No, you can make a decision to pray in your heavenly language anytime you choose for as long as you choose. <clears throat> this is something God taught me personally when I was incarcerated, when I was in prison. <clears throat> I had a battle with praying in tongues because some, some, some people made me feel like I was second class because I hadn't got filled with the Spirit. And they were always asking, you, spend, you got filled with the Spirit? Yeah, I was like, no, I don't know how to. And they kept saying, well, you got to get filled with the Spirit, but never tell me how to do it. And um, I had some, some brothers lay hands on me one day on the yard. Um, and it's in prison now. Lay hands on me to get filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> and um, 
nothing happened right away at that, at, at that moment as far as I knew. And um, <clears throat> one day I was watching wrestling and came upstairs and went to my, uh, my cell uh, for the night. And as soon as my knees hit the floor, it's like a whoosh. Something came up I never felt before in my life. It was just this warmth, this feeling I can't really explain. <clears throat> and it kind of scared me. But it, it just felt this hot feeling in my chest area, my head, all over. And I stood up and I was kind of wobbling because I was trying to see, is this really real? What has happened to me? And I kind of sensed in my spirit that it's okay. And so I got back down on my knees again. And I got back up, I laid down, and I just felt something hovering over my chest and just felt so good. And I started speaking in, in tongues during the night. So when I woke up that morning, I still had this feeling <clears throat> of being drunk. Anyway, <clears throat> pardon me, Lord. I, um, I, I got spirit for you, and I had my prayer language, but I didn't know how to pray in tongues. And nobody would tell me how to do it. And God sent the brother to me, and he showed me exactly how to start praying in tongues. He stood in front of me and just started moving his mouth. And I followed, I imitated him and followed his example. And I started praying in tongues. And then God started teaching me through the word of God how to get other people's spirit filled and, and the purpose of praying in tongues. Because God has got a purpose. You're not just doing stuff to be doing it. You'd be showboating and say, yeah, I can pray in tongues. I'm spirit filled. That's not the purpose of it. Praying in tongues for your spiritual development, one, one, one reason, is to develop you as a spirit man to, to, to rise above a walk that's dominated by your senses. We've been training the world to go by what we see, taste, feel, and touch, your five physical senses. The world trains us to go by that. If I can't see it or taste it or touch it or hear it, it don't exist. So they've excluded the middle. They've excluded the realm of the spirit. As, as if it doesn't exist, which is a deception from the devil. So praying in tongues helps you. It, it develops you spiritually, and you start um, receiving revelation quicker. You also will start to walk into you realize who you are in Christ, what you have, what you can do. It's also a means by which you know what your specific call is. That's how I learned and you know I was called to be a teacher, the office of a teacher, I knew it in my spirit, but it, it, God sent my spiritual father to me to confirm that. And then one of my mentors came as well and asked me, he said, what you call to do? I said, teach. He said, you're right. I can see the norm in your life. So praying in tongues will bring to you out of your spirit what's already there. Everything God has given to you is already in your spirit. Your inheritance, everything you need is there. Praying in tongues is the means by which you bring it to light, to where you know it. He, remember, he who speaks in unknown tongues speaks not to men but to God. However, in the spirit, you're speaking a mystery. And it's for you. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew, it's for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So that's part of our inheritance. It's for believers to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. A, a kingdom is inside you. It's not outside it's inside you, and we're responsible to bring the kingdom out. He wants us kingdom-minded, conscious of who we are, that we are king, and we live in a kingdom. We're from heaven. We're from above, a higher place. 
when we're in the earth, but not of the earth. Your first birth is of the earth. The second birth is of heaven. That's the most important birth. They get born again. And now we can experience and see the kingdom of God, God's government. His way of doing things and being right. In Matthew 6, Jesus explained that don't worry for nothing. The world teaches us to worry and to be overly concerned and be preoccupied with things and to seek out the clothes and shelter and seek out the material things, right? But if you read through that entire chapter, you can see two kingdoms. You can't serve both. One is governed by money and greed. The other is governed by the love of God and, and the faith of God, right? And God says, seek me first. Come to me about, and I will show you how to go about receiving what you need. Two different kingdoms. Well, that the kingdom of God is inside of you to show you now a new way, a new and living way of how we do things. So we, now we have uh, tongues as a weapon. We have private worship as a weapon. We have meditation on the word of God as a weapon. We have our understanding of Jesus' blood shed and applied as a weapon. We have the advantage. We have the advantage in this life. I was sharing yesterday, I believe with Sister Angela and um, one other person. Sometimes when I do, when I receive things, I like to sh- run it by people, kind of share it. And, uh, and I got that from, um, from some of my, 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 my spiritual fathers and my mentors. You know, when you get a word from God, we're coming in and share with each other. Man, what you think about this? This is what God just showed me, right? <clears throat> just for accountability purposes sometimes. <clears throat> um, so I was saying to Sister Angela yesterday, about God preserved us for purpose. And I've been reading, uh, chefs, I've been reading through the Psalms, right? I've been reading five chapters a day. Um, this is a challenge our pastors gave us at our church, to read five chapters a day and then pray in tongues or for 30 minutes afterwards, right? And um, one of the Psalms I, I was reading, David used the word preserve about three or four times, maybe more. So that kind of that jumped out at me. So, I, you know, I said, let me look at this word preserve because we use it a lot about being preserved, God preserved you. People say, God preserved you while you was in prison, man. You know, <clears throat> I tell you, I said, man, I'm 40, I'll be 50 years old this year. I'm 49, I'm like, well, you don't look like it, man. God must preserve you, right? Now, he's preserved all of us, not just me, but he's been, all of us are, have been preserved. And this word preserve is packed with meaning. <clears throat> it says, in essence, put a hedge around me a wall of protective thorns. Guard me and keep me. Observe my every move, all my comings and goings. So this is what David was saying to the Lord about preserving him. Put a hedge of protection around me, a wall of protective thorns around me. Guard me, keep me. Observe my every move, Lord. Observe all my comings and my goings. We are preserved for a purpose. So everything right now that's going around us in this system, in this world, we're here for such a time as this, like Esther, to be a blueprint of success, to be living epistles, to be accurate examples of the goodness of God, of the power of God, of the love of God, of, of, of God's covenant, blood covenant in this earth. So each of us was reserved for purpose. Each of us has a specific purpose right now. 
What is God's purpose for you? Because you're not, he's not purposeless. There's a reason you're not just existing. So wherever your assignment is, you, you have a purpose in that assignment. You have a purpose with where your marriage is concerned, your children are concerned. You have is a purpose for everything. You've been preserved for such a time as this. Let's not get discouraged and despondent and disappointed by the direction that the world is going. Let's focus on what our purpose we're called to do and see what we should be doing to bring hope to a world that's dying, that's hopeless. It's an honor to be here in 2023. It's an honor to be alive during this time. It's a blessing to be here during this time. We have this blessing. The blessing of the Lord is on us to change and rearrange things. Ecclesiastes 8, 4 says, where the word of a king is, there is power. Each of us are kings, and I'm speaking in opposition in Christ, right? I ain't talking about gender. In Christ, there is no gender. There is no gender. There is no economic status. There is no ethnicity. We are one in him, which excludes everything else. Now, so our identity is in Jesus, right? So we are kings. We're talking about kings, sonship, royalty. Um, we, we've, he's the firstborn among many, many brethren. So as he is, so are we. He's the king, we are king. He's the king of kings. He's our king, but we are kings as well. We have a royal nature. We are royalty. That's who we are. So where the word of a king is, there is power. So everywhere we go and we got a word from God, we got power to change where we go. He expects us as we go to bring change to those environments that's desolate and ruined and have been broken down by the the devil and his system. That's our responsibility as kings and earth. I work for the Department of Corrections. I work in reentry programs, education, right? I work in the place where I used to be housed for 25 years and 10 months. So God preserved me all those years in prison, trained me, got me spirit-filled, trained, mentored me, invest, put an investment in me, brought me back out here, took, sent me back into the place where I used to be at to bring change. That's part of my purpose, is to go into corrections. Number one, pray for the areas, the prisons that I go into, get him involved, and say what he tell me to say. Where the word of a king is, there is power. The word power there is the word autocratic control. And it means a government in which one person has absolute power, a ruler with absolute power. So God sent each of us somewhere Kings with a word and with power to bring change. Jackie works in the medical field, right? Uh, Brother Andrew works in entertainment, in the music field. Well, you are kings in an area, and you have a word with power to bring change in those areas, right? All you got to do is say what God tell you to say. 
And he said in Jeremiah one twelve, I watch over my word to perform it. You don't you you don't perform the word. He performs the word. But he's watching and waiting for you to say it. You got to say something in order for him to perform it and bring change to those areas. Your frustration when you go into those areas, when you see something that frustrates you, vision goes with that. And vision is the answer to your frustration. You see something in the medical field, in entertainment, in corrections, in the housing area, you see something that's wrong. You see some injustices. You see people getting dulled. But there's a vision that goes with that to bring change. We're not designed to run from our problems. We're designed to run to them. David ran to Goliath. He didn't run from Goliath. He ran to him. A 16-year-old kid, he ran to Goliath and told him what he was going to do to him. Understanding his covenant, he was covenant conscious, and he had some private battles he had won. And now he's ready to go out here into his assignment, and he ran straight to his assignment. Same thing with us. We're preserved for a purpose. We have a purpose for this day and time. Where the word of a king is, there is power, autocratic control. We can have our way by what we say. God's word is absolute truth, no change. The Bible is a book of absolutes. There's nothing subjective in the Bible. The world is subjective. They go by how they feel. Well, I don't feel like doing this today. I'm going to do something different. No, the word of God is absolute truth, no change. God's word doesn't change, but his word spoken brings change. There's nothing more powerful than the spoken word. In the book of Genesis, I'm really starting to fall in love with the book of Genesis because this is the, the book of beginning. God doesn't deviate or change from how he starts things. Let's start bringing God down to our level, and let's rise up in the thinking to his level. When things don't make sense, seek God about it. Let's not use our experience of the prophet the word of God as a means to explain what has happened to us in life. Go to God about it. If it doesn't match it with the word of God, then the word is always first and foremost. The word is always right. If my experience is not matching up with God's word, then it's on me. The thing got to be pointed at me. God is never wrong. Absolute truth, no change. Absolute perfection. He's never wrong. He's always a good God. And the book, Genesis is the book of beginnings where you can see the nature and character and the goodness of God, how he started it. It's a defining line between good and evil, where good comes from and where evil comes from. In the beginning, God, Elohim, the creator part of God, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. This word here is tahu babuhu, which means the earth fell into a chaotic ruin. It wasn't like that when God created it. So it's ruined, it's chaotic, and it's dark. And darkness was on the face of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This word hovering is moving, brooding. He's waiting. He's moving, but he's waiting for something. The Spirit of God is right now is in your life. He's moving around you. He's waiting. He's waiting for something. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. At the moment God said the word, the third person of the Godhead performed it and brought it to pass. That's the pattern now. God is waiting for us to say what he told us to say consistently. And the spirit of God performs it, bringing it to pass. So what did he say to you about your field, about your assignment? What did he say to you about your wife, about your marriage, your husband, your family? What did he say to you about your business? What has God said to you about your, um, your government? What has he said to you about your community? What has he said to you? Are you saying it? Because you, uh, I, I, I've been told a weak king is a silent king who don't open his mouth and say nothing. We got to start being consistent in saying what God told us to say, even in the face of when things are contrary. Darkness was on the face of the deep. God didn't speak to darkness. He said, light be. He spoke what he desired and what he wanted to see. What do you want to see in your assignment, wherever you are? What do you want to see in your communities, in your neighborhood? Where the word of a king is, there is power. Your inheritance, part of your inheritance is living in a nice neighborhood. No crime, no drugs. We think that's impossible because we don't see it. We have precedents, precedents in the Bible. How God, when the children of Israel was obedient, that nobody could touch them. Nobody could touch them. When they went to war and they was obedient, none of them died. When they left out of Egypt, they came out wealthy. In the wilderness, God preserved them in the wilderness when they was obedient. The Bible said their feet didn't swell, their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out. And he took care of them. How much so of us who are sons and daughters, we came out of him. He's our father. We come out of God. He is the origin which, which we came from. He gave his only son for us. How much more so would he protect us and keep us safe if we do what he tells us to do? Some questions came to me. I was watching a, a video, and um, a guy was talking about how we, 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 we glamorize and talking about how gangster um, 50 Cent is um, because he got shot nine times to survive. And he said, but Jesus died and was in a grave for three days. Well, was dead for three days and rose again. He said, how gangster is that? And then the guy started narrating, talking about the things that Jesus had suffered and what he went through. And I thought, this thought came to my mind. I said, man, would I give my life for somebody to hate me? Would I give my life to somebody that's trying to kill me? Somebody wants me dead? Nope. No, no. And it made me think that Jesus 
was bold to die for people that hated him, that was trying to kill him, had been trying to kill him. These people was being used by the enemy to crucify him. And Jesus was about to give his life for people that he was about, that, he, that didn't know that he needed a savior. The same people was trying to kill him. He was about to give his life for them. made me really think about the love of God, how much he loves us. And if he's willing to give up his only son for me, who didn't like God or I didn't want God, didn't want nothing to do with God, he was willing to do that for you and for me. And there's a possibility that you may say, no, I don't want Jesus. But he still gave his life for people who didn't like him, past, present, and future. So you don't think he got your back? You think he went through all that? Jesus suffered what he suffered and what he went through. The crucifixion designed to last long, to prolong your death. It wasn't a quick death. He really, really went through some stuff, really suffered horribly for us. That's love. Why do we say some of the things we say about God when we don't understand what's happening to us? When we can't, we really don't know. We don't really, never really stop and really go through the word of God. And let, me, let me really look and see the nature of God and character of God, how God acts towards me as a son in my in new covenant. Do we really understand the legalities, that there's a system that God has designed, that there's biblical principles that he, he operates by, that he he, God, God places the word, his word above his name, above who he is. His word is his bond. He doesn't violate his covenant. He's a covenant-keeping God. What does my covenant say about bad things when it happens to good people? That's one of the big questions, man. Why do we never look at Jesus and see how God treated Jesus? So the same way God treated Jesus, how he treats us. Really look at Jesus and see how God treated him. This is my son and whom I'm well pleased. He treats us the same way he treats Jesus. He deals differently with the world and with Israel. There's three group of people in the world. The Jews, the Gentile nations, and the body of Christ. Three groups, and he deals with each of them different. You got to look at Jesus and see how he deals with you. You are a son and a daughter of God. We sit at the right hand right along with Jesus. There are principles that govern the kingdom and this universe that people operate by all the time on the wrong side. The law of sowing and reaping. You're going to reap what you sow if you continue to sow bad seeds. People can be good people and sow bad seed and don't know it. And bad things happen to them. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Ignorance doesn't stop the principles from working, whether bad or good. I learned this early about the nature of God and the character of God. He said, you want to see my nature and my character? He said, look at Jesus. And when I started studying Jesus, it really helped me 
in my when things happen, I can distinguish if it's stealing, killing, or destroying. That's the devil's mo. The devil don't change either. His mo is to steal, kill, and destroy in that order. And Jesus came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. The bad stuff is already in this world. The light God gave me, if you look in Genesis again, when God created everything, it was perfect and good. Before the man even got here, then he put the man in the garden and said, tend it, cultivate it, keep it. Then he says, good that you're not all one in this alone. Put him to sleep. Built the woman. Brought them together. And, and before that, he told him, he said, all the trees belong you can eat of. Don't touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the day that you eat of it, you should surely die. So love gave him a choice. That was, that was his test. You know how God tests you? That was the test. The test was a test of obedience. I want you to love me because you want to love me out of your obedience, and, be, and be obedient to me. God knew a devil was coming. The devil couldn't automatically kill them. The devil had to work on their thinking to get them to think differently. The same thing he does now. His, his, his M-O, M.O. hasn't changed. When Adam went straight in, he knew what he was doing to eat of the fruit. Everything fell, and that's when sin came to the earth and death through sin. It came from the devil through Adam into this earth. It didn't come from God through Adam into this earth. It came through the devil. God don't have no sin. He don't have no death. It didn't come from heaven. It came through the devil into this earth. There's a devil in the earth. That's why we have sin and death in the earth. That's why we have bad stuff happening in the earth. There's a devil in the earth. God is in heaven. Everything comes from heaven is good and perfect, according to the word of God. He don't put bad stuff on his people, on his children. A natural parent don't do, don't do that. Some of the stuff we put on God. Natural parents don't do some of the stuff we say God do. A parent in their right mind would never hurt their children. And there's no judgment to parents at all. But we got to start saying, I thought that a good God and understand why he's good and understand the definition of what good is. The gospel, the, the definition of God gave for gospel is the good news preached from a good God. It's no way possible that you're going to suffer like you did for me and then turn around and put the same stuff on me that you suffered horribly. Now, that don't make no sense at all. But that's illegal, and he can't do that. He violated his own covenant if he does that. And if God violated his own word, then we all in trouble. Everything is destroyed as we know it. He upheld everything by the word of his power. Everything consists by the word of his power. If he's valid his word, then everything is destroyed. And 
he's not going to do that because he can't lie. He can't change. The law of first mention is how he starts is how he finishes. God is a good God. Yes, he is. God is a good God. Yes, he is. That's one of the songs in the old time you sing going, God is a good God. Yes, he is. Yes, he is a good God. That shouldn't be cliche-ish. God is a good God. He's good to me. The devil is bad to me. The devil hates me. He's doing everything he can to try to stop the move and plan of God in my life and in your life. God has preserved us. For a purpose. If God is against you, you're in trouble. We can't, you can't win that battle. If he's against you and the devil against you, you too. How are you going to win? If God is for you, who can be against you? He's for us. He's in our favor. Who can be successful against us? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Weapons will form, but they won't prosper. Every lying tongue that's arise against us in general, we condemn. This is our inheritance as service of the Lord, and our righteousness is from him, said the Lord. He said our inheritance. We inherited victory and justice from him. We inherited him protecting us and keeping us safe. That's part of our inheritance. It's to know what we have and what we can do. It's so important in this day and time to know your God, to really know him, to be intimate with him and to know him and to know your enemies. You can't pull up a proper defense if you don't know who your enemy is. If the devil got you, the devil has you thinking that God is putting bad stuff on you. The enemy comes except to steal, kill, and destroy. This is what our Lord Jesus said. And I came that you might have life and have it more abundant. That's not saying we're not going to go through stuff. You are. It's inevitable. You're going to go through stuff. You're going to go through the valley of shadow of death. You've got to push through stuff. But you got his word to get you through whatever you got to go through to get to the other side. I just want to distinguish between who's doing what. And you're part in choosing life or death, the cursing or the bless. He's given us a choice to choose. You got to understand the power that you have. He's given to us. That we stand between heaven and hell. We stand between good and bad and the blessing and the curse. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. There's a death cycle in the earth. There's a life cycle in the earth. He says in the power of your tongue. The power of your tongue. Not in the power of God and the power of the devil and the power of your circumstances. He said death and life is in the power of your tongue. Whichever one you love or indulge in it, you're going, you're going to see the fruit of it in your life. That's a principle that's in the earth. What are you choosing when you speak? What are you saying? Is it death words or is it life words? Well, whichever one you love and indulge in, you're going to see the fruit of it in your life. That's why it's so important 
to spend time in the Word so you can know what to say and what not to say. And a lot of Spirit got to govern you and help you in your, to say the right words. It's very important to be conscious of what you're saying because you're always sowing and reaping. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he reap. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life. Those are principles, biblical principles, that people are always operating by, for the saved or unsaved. God ain't putting nothing bad on you. And I know sometimes it's hard for people to say, well, God can do anything. He's sovereign, do anything. True. But he chose to work through you. He made a sovereign decision to work through his family. Let them have dominion. There's a transfer of power, of authority, excuse me, a transfer of authority to us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You, the, the authority is in you. We have to say something and do something. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. You control those cycles in your life. Now, no, I went two or three different places today, but I just allow one. I have been meditating, especially on that scripture where the word of a king is, there is power. Where the word of a king is, there is autocratic control. You want to see change and something different. And in, in, in you now, we all have our own Jerusalems. And I was talking to a mentor last night. He said, man, you know, you got your own Jerusalem, which is local, which is my home verse. Remember Jesus said in Acts 1-8, turn in Jerusalem until you receive power from Ohio. <clears throat> and he said you will be effective witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, no, excuse me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and globally, which means J- Jerusalem is your local, your local area, where you live at. And then Judea is national. And then Samaria is cross-culturally and then globally. So we got our own Jerusalem that we should bring in, bring in change to it and being a blueprint to our families. That's not a good picture when you're out somewhere else and your family is not an accurate picture of what you're preaching and teaching other people. That's, that's, in, that's, that's in the Bible, too. It's in the book. Um, so don't, don't say I'm wrong. It's in the book. Go behind me and check behind me. It's in the book. Um, so, yeah, we have our own Jerusalem. You know, uh, uh, that's why it's so important to be in the church home. So important because that's where the corporate vision is in the church home. Uh, the corporate anointing is there. Uh, and, and the local church is um, the will of God. That, that's in the Bible. So he places you 
in the body where it pleases him. He pleases you in the body of Christ, and he pleases you in a local assembly as well because everybody needs a spiritual covering. Uh, you can't be in the world uncovered. You put yourself in a position for deception and being to be misled without a covering. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this is I, – I pray I, I pray that uh, and, and, and believe in that you all got some other this. You wrote some notes down. Um, are you seeking God about some things? Uh, um, and I just I, – I really enjoyed it myself. You know, I, I got – we got a lot of work to do, right? A lot of work to do. This is 2023. And make it personal. 2023 belongs to me. 2023 belongs to you. You know, we shouldn't be in the same place in 2024 at this time. We should be further along in our walk with God. You know, let's make some decisions to say what God has told us to say. If you've got to go back and revisit the things he said to you, uh, or dig up them old wells and revisit them things he said to you and activate them again by faith. Uh, uh, and, and focus back on believing God for a home debt-free, a beautiful God of Eden home debt-free, believing God for your vehicle debt-free, um, for the finances for your business, uh, wherever you work it, the God will uh, come in and bring in um, excellent employee management, uh, God will fill those vacancies with the people that he chose and appointed to go and bear fruit in those areas, praying for the right people to be in government that should be there, uh, uh, people that are listening to the Lord and know the law and teach the law, the Bible is the book that governs everything, every spectrum of life. Everything should be governed by what God has already said. Because he's already said something about everything. So what has he said to you? And if you've been saying it, continue to say it until you see the manifestation of it. This is a word-created, dominated universe. Everything responds to words. The realm of the spirit is waiting to see the rim of the spirit goes by what you say, not by what you meant. It goes by the dictionary definition of a word. Tomorrow is waiting for you to see what you're going to say for today. Understand the importance of what you say. So, Father, I ask, Lord, that you will help us to put a muzzle over our mouth, to be conscious of what we say, to be slow to hear, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to rest. Help us to be able to listen and to speak as we hear from you. If it's things that we've said that were contrary to your word, I ask that my brothers and sisters will repent, believe for the forgiveness, and for the cleansing of their conscience, and get back in line and say what you told them to say that we will allow your word to govern us, knowing that no word from you is void of power to get results. The word that you give us covers every problem, everything that we will encounter. Your word has recovered. The example you gave us was Jesus when you told the disciples to go into town and there would be a new court tied up, and you told them to go get it and bring it to you, and if they say, what are you doing? You said, the Lord has need of it. That was the word. They went, did as you said. They was questioned. They said, Lord, have need of it. And came back with the cult. That was an example of saying 
what you told them to say, they did it, and they got the results you said they would get. So help us to see that when you give us a word, that word will not return to your void. It would accomplish what you sent it to do. The word would do it. The word will perform it. And we thank you, Father. We thank you that you've chosen to partner with us, to work with us and through us. We give you praise and glory that each of us are anointed for our call. We have anointing to teach us, anointing for, for marriage, anointing for our children, anointed to manage our homes, to drive, that your anointing is on us and that you've, you've distinguished us. You distinguished us from the world. You are beautifying us. You make us look good. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives. That we're accurate, you're making us accurate representations of you in this earth. Not a powerless Jesus, but a powerful Jesus. That when people see us, they can see you in our lives. When people see us, they can see you working in our lives. And we just thank you and give you praise, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Next, uh, I hand over to Brother, um, Brother Andrew. Is he going to line? If not, then I will go ahead and, um, and offer the prayer of salvation this morning. The greatest decisions that we can anybody can ever make is to accept Jesus as their Savior. There's no greater decision to make. And if you don't do ever do anything else, get born again. Give your life to Jesus. You want to be sure and certain that when you get off the bus and that door, the door is closed to the bus, that you made the right decision. Because that'll be the, that'll be your final destination. There is no getting back on the bus once you get off. So, you've, everyone, I want everyone to repeat after me. For those who are saved, this is a way to uh, reaffirm and your salvation. Father in heaven, Jesus, I know I need a Savior. And I ask you to come into my heart. Do something with my life. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, You will save me. So I say that, Jesus, you are Lord, and you are my Savior. Also, I'm going to give an off invitation if 
to those who want to be filled with the Spirit, the same receive salvation, the same way you receive the infidelity or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask that you will fill me with your Spirit as in the day of Pentecost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Father, I thank you for filling me with your Spirit. I thank you for your heavenly language that you've given to me. And teach me how to walk in the fullness of your spirit. Teach me how and the purpose of praying in a heavenly language. And with Lord, we thank you and give you praise for those who may have given their life to you today and for those who may have been filled with your spirit. And now I want to turn over to Brother Khalil uh, for music. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I give you thanks for all you have done. I am so blessed. My soul is at rest. Oh, Lord, I give you thanks. You've been so good. You've been so good. You've been so good. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I am so blessed. My soul is at rest. Oh, Lord, I give you thanks. Thanks, thanks. I give you thanks for all you have done. I am so blessed, my soul is at rest, oh Lord, I give you thanks. Praise the Lord, everyone. Um, few announcements. Um, Monday through Friday from 8, 8, starting at 8 a.m., we have the Breakthrough Morning Prayer Call um, each morning. Jacket sends out um, the way that you can dial in uh, to the prayer call. Um, each day, um, one of the brothers or sisters actually hosts, um, hosts the call. Um, music is always by Brother Andrew, um, so young. Also, on Monday nights, we have Bible study um, by Sister Angela. Um, also, Jacket will send in um, the way that you can call from Monday night Bible studies. And I believe Bible study starts at 8 o'clock. Um, every Monday night. So thank you all, um, and I pray y'all have a blessed day, amazing day, a glorious day. Peace.